Hey, this is Steve from Endurance Path. And, uh, you know, I don't have any fancy music intros or anything like that. Uh, maybe I'll come up with something down the road, but we'll just dive into it. Uh, welcome to episode two of my 2014 race report series. Hopefully you got a chance to listen to the previous one, the first one, which was my first Lutzen 99er. Uh, if you did listen to that, you'll know that I'm not just reading my race reports verbatim, although I am reading through them, but I am stopping to add some commentary, some thoughts and those types of things as I read through it that I, I find interesting as, uh, as I read back through these. So, and again, the reason I decided to do this is I, I, I these race reports year over year continue to get a lot of, uh, views. And one of the most popular ones is actually the very first one that I wrote. And, uh, people refer to them a lot to get information about races and I end up getting questions and, and that type of thing. So it's all been a fun, fun journey. And so I thought I'd kick out some audio versions of these, but, uh, here it goes. The 2014 Shawamagon 40 Fat Tire Festival. Uh, it was a heck of a cold morning. The, uh, the, the previous year I had started in gate seven cause the previous year was my first time doing it. And I had finished that in three hours and 12 minutes. That was my, my first race. Uh, I don't want to say my very first race. Cause if you go back to 2000, 2001, 2002, uh, you know, I did a fair amount of biking. I have no idea what kind of time I put in. It was just more recreational through college, but I did a few sport class races. And then I did a little adventure triathlon in 2002, did a running race and then, uh, was pretty sedentary for quite a few years and I had lost some weight and got back on a bike and got into some racing and it's kind of snowballed since then. But anyways, so this was my second Shawamagon 40 and, uh, with my three hour and 12 minute finish from the previous year, I was able to start in gate five. So, uh, this year, again, this is 2014. I decided to uh, head down to the start gates about six 30. We were camping at the KOA campground just down the road. So I just, I jumped in the truck and, and took my bike down. I dropped it off in the start gate and, uh, then went back to camp and got breakfast and ready for racing. It's not like it was a massive advantage, but quite honestly, I mean, for anybody doing that, if there's two, 300 people in your starting gate and you can set your bike down in front of them, um, and you're on a mission to, to keep pulling yourself to the front, which is, that goes, that's where I was at. I guess not necessarily, not like I was going to get all the way to the front, but uh, I was definitely trying to lay down a faster time than the previous year. And that's two, 300 less people that I had to worry about getting around. So anyway, I, I, uh, I was not really feeling my greatest at the start line. I just felt kind of tired and I really couldn't get my legs to warm up and stretch well. Um, it was, it was really cold too. I remember specifically the cold. And, uh, some of these things I might not remember in the report, but some things I, I do remember. So I don't, I don't really remember the, the tired leg feeling or whatever like that. It's as a, a while ago, but I just do remember it being really cold that year. Uh, but anyways, there I was the, uh, start gun went off and I sat there waiting for the rollout to start moving back in the, the cheap seats of gate five. Uh, finally, finally got going. The, uh, and if you haven't done this race before, the start line is so long because there's 2,100 racers, uh, at least that they allow in. So you probably have at least, you know, around 2000 that actually start and it's a mass start. So if you're not in the front, you can, you can hear the gun go off and then you kind of stand there for 
you know, pretty short period. I mean, it gets going pretty, pretty quick, but anyway, as with any mass start event, especially with one with over 2000 people, it, it can get a little messy. I kept myself clear of danger and only had one close call with somebody in front of me doing a brake check. Uh, but no contact was made and they were able to save it. And then we kept rolling. Uh, when we made a left onto the trail system, the, the pace near stopped. Uh, as two paved lanes of bicycle traffic made a left onto a narrow ski trail climb. And uh, I guess in hindsight, it's not really like a climb, but when you do make that left, there is a little rise there and uh, it, it can get backed up. So uh, I had to get out of that mess. I made some progress across Rosie's Field and then around mile five, the big bottleneck happened around a major mud hole. I was getting really hot because I, because it was so cold, I started, I do remember this. I started with my arm warmers and leg warmers and, and all that kind of stuff. And then once I got going, I just got way too hot and, uh, I decided I'd rip off my leg warmers and, and, and the arm warmers, uh, especially since I had to stop and get off my bike anyways for the, the bottleneck. So I just kind of took care of it then. And, uh, I didn't really lose much time. I don't think as, uh, things were bottlenecked pretty bad. Once I got through the bottleneck, traffic thinned out a little and I could move decently fast. I still wasn't feeling that great all the way through 10 to 12 miles. I hadn't really been able to get my heart rate to settle down the first 10 miles, except for when I was waiting to get through the bottleneck around the mud hole. I had backed off a tad and then tried to focus on getting my heart rate relaxed a bit. I'd been running my heart rate above 170 and knew that I needed to get it down around 160 to avoid blowing up. It, uh, it took a couple of miles, but I was able to get things settled down and get back on the hammer. I mentioned this at the beginning of the year, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll say it again. And this is beginning of 2014, but uh, I needed to work on my leg strength. Uh, I could spin up at a pretty high cadence on a flat, but was still struggling on laying down any type of power in a, in a climb or anything like that. Um, and I'm going to have to start doing some, at the time, this is me, me thinking this back in 2014, that I was going to have to start doing some hill repeats or, or something to build up some, some hill climbing power. And, uh, going back to this time, this is very, and this is just some additional commentary. This is very early on before I really started looking at too much structured training and that kind of thing. And, um, it is kind of interesting to think, think back to, uh, to all of this. So anyways, I could granny gear up just about anything, but you know, just saying granny gear is not, not taking up a lot of, uh, a lot of power. Um, <clears throat> anyways, there was, uh, I know this is also an area where I could make up a lot of time back at that Lutzen 99 or if I could work on my, my climbing strength. So anyways, the, uh, I hammered down the downhills and flats and played it conservative on the climbs. Uh, we hit a little bit of single track and I just fell in line and used this to recover a little. The group I was with at this time was working through the single track pretty good. We finally made it to fire tower climb where it was a little congested. There was a line on the right that was walking and a line on the left that was climbing. I dropped a granny gear and fell in behind a guy in front of me. I was feeling good. I could tell the guy in front of me was struggling. And I knew if he didn't make it that I wasn't going to have much space to get around and through the congestion. I wasn't feeling good enough to cut up the middle though and keep my balance. So I opted to yell out encouragement to the guy in front of me to stay in it. He let me by at the top of the first section and thanked me for the encouragement. I chuckled because I knew it was all for my own self-preservation. The, uh, 
Fire Tower Climb is is one of the more is aside from the Berkey Rollers, Fire Towers probably the most popular one on the on the Check Forty. It's uh, I think I did some walking on it my first year, and it just it gets congested depending on where you're at. The uh, I know my first year I was back far enough in the race that it was there's no way you were going to ride it. It was so congested and so many people walking. But this year specifically, I, I do remember. You know, the line of walkers on the right and it's wide enough for two lanes. And if you got good bike handling, you can cut up the middle. You could actually fit three wide through there as long as the walkers give you, give you enough space. So anyways, and it, and it kind of levels off a little bit in the middle. And that's, that's where I kind of cut into my commentary here, but I shifted up to shifted up a couple of gears in the flat before hitting the rest of fire tower, which turned out to be a mistake. I got about 15 feet up the second section and shifted my chain right into my spokes when trying to drop back into granny gear. That being said, I was able to pull my chain out and get right back on and finish the climb. Now I had a rush of adrenaline going. I made it up the climb without walking and I was within 10 miles of the finish. It came off the top of fire tower and poured on the heat. I knew I wasted some time at the beginning trying to work my way up from gate five and then getting held up at the big mud hole bottleneck. But I was mostly surrounded by bibs with gate three on them now. I ended up crossing the finish line in two hours and 39 minutes. This was 33 minutes faster than last, the previous year. And uh, this was my, my second, second one. So uh, you could make the argument that the course was a few minutes faster this year since they cut out just over a mile uh, of the course because of storm damaged trails. And uh, I believe that would be true for the leaders that were out in front of the congestion, but I feel like the bottleneck at the big mud hole uh, more than made up for it. That's actually, uh, in hindsight, a pretty good point. I actually remember that race and yeah, they had cut out some sections and it made the course, uh, it definitely made the course faster. The leaders were definitely faster that year. And I think it's, I think my argument that I make in there is fair to say, uh, there was extra congestion at the beginning with that big, big mud hole. But, um, so I don't know that the course, it it, it probably was faster. I don't know. If you look at the, the times, if you look at the, the race, the following year, which I'll get to eventually in these things, um, was definitely slower. So anyway, um, the last note that I have on here is that I was really looking forward to, uh, the next year's racing season, uh, adding some more races. And, uh, I even say in here, expanding my race schedule and finding my way closer to the podium. If not on it, life is short and it is never too late for anything. I got a new trainer to spin on for the winter and I'll be ready at a higher level next year. It's, uh, I love the challenge. I, I remember back to this time. I was so excited. And I still am. I get so excited about finding new events. And, uh, I'm, I've, uh, I'm always been a big dreamer and I, you know, I, uh, set big goals, aim, aim high. And, uh, it's funny. I mean, I haven't found myself on a, on a podium yet, but I definitely get closer and closer to the front every time I race. So that's, I, I, uh, I'm always looking for improvement, looking for ways to get faster and it keeps working. And I just, that's, that's my, that's my fun in it. And, uh, and some of my fun is the structured training. I love figuring out, I've really dove into figuring out the structured training stuff and it's can make a big, big difference. It's helped me a lot. And I, I just, I like the, uh, 
I do like some structure, but I going into uh, some structured training and knowing where, where you were at the last time you did that workout and what kind of effort you can put in and it, the same workout, you know, a month later is, uh, is exciting. So anyways, that's some additional commentary on that. Uh, this is race number two of my 2014 race series. I'm trying to figure out what to call this stuff, but I, I can't call it season one because this technically was season two of coming back on the bike. And, uh, I guess uh, some little notes to that too, is I'd gone about 10 years of being not fairly sedentary, just not really eating that healthy and just, you know, no, not doing any type of activity like this. Every once in a while, I'd get out on the bike and it just, it was hard, just four or five, six miles. It just, I, I and it was because I was totally out of shape. I was heavier and I had, you know, it was excited. I, a couple of years prior to this race, I'd lost some weight and decided to get the bikes back out and, and get back into it. Uh, but anyways, so this is race number two. And uh, there's actually a third race for the season after the Schwang. And I was kind of all geeked up about racing for the season. So I found one more race to do. So stay tuned. There's a third one in this series, the uh, the Red Wing Classic. So I think I'm going to call these, uh, call this season two back on the bike, uh, 2014 race report series, something, something along those lines. So anyways, if you like the format, let me know. If you don't like it, let me know. Let me know what you would change. Let me know what you like. And uh, looking for feedback. Like I said, I'm I, I'm gonna. My intention is to keep this going. I'm gonna release this for 2015, the 2016, and I'd like to get it caught up to where we're at today, so I can just put these out in real time with uh, any of the races I do. Thanks for tuning in. Later.